Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. I think that I'm going to be spicing things up and I'm going to be asking you, how are you feeling? I'm feeling exhausted, Jose. I'm tired as hell. Why? You... I had to drive 12 hours to Idaho to take care of my father and my grandmother. The day before I left, I signed the lease on a new place. I spent a week there. The day I came back, I started to move and spent the last four days moving and taking my dog to the emergency vet because he has glaucoma. Oh. Poor Oscar. Well, yeah, that sounds, like a, <laughs> that sounds like a very stressful situation. And besides that, is that let's not forget about election and let's not forget about pandemic. We were supposed to meet up in person today, but it's just too damn hard. And the Santa Ana winds were not going to allow us to record on a street parklet in San Francisco. Probably not. But, uh, well, the only thing that we can think is that probably things in a week would be different, or who knows how they will be. Fingers crossed. I mean, there's <laughs> got to be some good news in 2020, and it's not from the Supreme Court. No, certainly not. But yeah, uh, so just talking about better things, not at the level of a pandemic, or I mean, maybe a bit close. Uh, what did we watch this time? We watched the Sofia Coppola seminal classic starring <laughs> Christian Dunst, the follow-up to Lost in Translation, Marie Antoinette. Yeah, it's something that is, you know, people could actually argue that it's okay, the Virgin Suicides was a bit of an exercise in aesthetic, but Lost in Translation was a good movie. It even won an Oscar. What is it going to be like following up with? Is like <laughs> the bar is so high that she can only keep going up? And she did. And she did. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blake, why did you make us watch it? Uh, so we haven't we haven't done we haven't gotten together for like a week and a half. So I can't quite recall. Was I punishing you for making us watch funny games? Is that what I was doing? So that's the way of actually making you watch a movie that you rate a nine. <laughs> I deserve punishment for that. I think that you wanted to watch like something a bit lighter. Yeah, I think I wanted to watch something a bit lighter. I knew I was going to Idaho to take care of my dad, and you had never seen this film. And never. I genuinely, before I watched it this time, I genuinely thought it was a good movie. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> you just spit out his beer that he drank. So, um, and yeah, I mean, this is just... My memory of this film was that it was fun and authentic and touching and a good a good movie and I wanted to share Sofia Coppola with you. Sofia Coppola Excelsior in a skill kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, no that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so should I summarize what the movie is about? Absolutely you should. Yeah, so basically this follows the life of uh Kirsten, Kirsten Dance. Yeah. yeah. Kirsten Dance as Marie Antoinette as a novelty, I don't know, like part of the novelty in, uh, in Austria. No, she was from Austria. And she was a princess in Austria and she yeah, was princess. to marry yeah. the heir to the throne of France. Exactly. Yeah, it's like for actually as the relationship between Austria and uh, and France was like pretty good, is that they decided to just uh, marry them as a way of uh, solidifying 
the political relationships between them. So they have never met, and the first time that they met is like, oh, we're going to get married. Uh, were you going to say something? No. Okay. So uh, the future husband, Louis XVI, uh, is Jason Schwartz. Schwartz? Schwartzman. Schwartzman. That's it. Who's Jason... Sophia Coppola's cousin? Oh, I didn't know that. Everything yeah. stays in the family, like in The Godfather 3. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's a bit of a weird introvert. I don't, I don't think that he's introverted. I think that he, like, just, like, he doesn't care too much about sex. It's not a priority for him. So they end up like getting married. She's like, just getting used to the life in Versailles. And, uh, but they don't have descendancy. So it's a bit more of her life. Just marry Antoinette. And mm-hmm. just dressing up. And just being pretty. And just talking in regular, normal day, 21st century speak. There is no vernacular to it. It's just as you and me will be talking. I mean, probably not you and me, because we're more sophisticated <laughs> than Kirsten Dust. That's your full synopsis, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, it basically summarizes like the life of Marie Antoinette. Yeah, I mean, I can go into the details that then she has some kind of affair. Is a she and up like having a baby with uh, Louis XVI, Louis the Sixteenth, with, uh, with the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. I never watched it, and I'm just saying right now on record, I'm never going to watch it. Don't make me watch it. But okay, so that same actor, he was in this awesome British drama where he plays a serial killer. Oh, The Fall. Yeah, he was the yeah, serial yeah. killer from The Fall. Yeah, but yeah, well, sure. Gillian Anderson was there, so he was like, yes, an accessory. The, the say what you will about the film, but the cast is freaking incredible. Like the number of actors uh, they got for this, like um, the French actor that's incredible. He, he uh, the Bell Jar, was that the name of it? Who? Who? There was a French movie about the guy who broke his neck, became quadriplegic, quadriplegic, and then he wrote a book. It's that actor. He's incredible. He's in like every good French movie. He was in A Christmas Tale. He was the fuck up son that donated his his bone marrow. Oh, gotcha. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't realize. And then there was that Australian actress that I love that starred in Damages with Glenn Close. Yeah, no, certainly, and we already know what we're going to be like watching this, but one of the reasons why I picked that one is because that actually reminded me, like, the kind of cast of All Stars. It reminded me to most of the movies from the director that directed the next movie that we're going to be watching. And I don't want to give it away yet. I can see that. So like Rose Byrne, Asia Argento before the molestation charges, so she was still kind of cool back then. <laughs> Molly Shannon, Shirley Henderson, who I can't see outside of the world of Welcome to the Dollhouse. She's still that fucked up, <laughs> like depressive girl. Danny Houston, um, Jamie Dornan, which we talked about. I mean, just a killer cast. Yeah, no, and certainly that the cast is good, and the acting is is good. You know, it has like this kind of uh, I don't know, like Agwar acting. Tom Hardy is in it. I don't know if you caught him. He what? was uh, he was at one of the parties, and he was there, just super handsome. Steve Coogan's incredible. It's just like she did Lost in Translation, and everyone with any talent was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be in yep. the, I'll be in the, 
the oh shit, what's it called? Um, period. Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Oh, your period piece. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure. You know, it's like I remember when this movie came out that it was like I was excited because I really like it. The Lost in Translation. And when I read all the reviews, I was like, what? What happened here? I mean, this is not what I expected. You know, it's like it's, it's such a random piece that I still I'm still not sure about what she was trying to do. I have so a question for you. Me. I have a question for you, you know, for us already started the conversation. And I want to start it at the end. That is like at the end is like the mob, sorry, like the uh, French people and like the French villagers start like just rioting. And there is like a bit more of a, and this is not like the main topic of the story. It's like a bit more of a background noise that from time to time they address is, oh, well, you guys are like just living this life of excesses and richness is that there is something going on in France. Is that you don't know exactly, you know? And then at the end is that they basically assault the uh, Versailles. And there is this scene with Kirsten Dunst in the uh, in the balcony that I thought that she was going to be like crying, don't cry for me. So it's going to be like just singing, don't cry for me, Argentina, <laughs> at that point when she goes out. But she actually just expresses like, just chop my head. And everyone just goes silent. What did you think of that scene? Because I think that is like just the emotional. At that point, I thought it's like, is, is actually Sofia for Coppola trying to be Aronofsky? You are a piece of shit, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that I'm not wrong. Tell me that you no, didn't so think that. I didn't. I didn't connect it with Aronofsky, but um, Sophia. So first off, this isn't like the historical Marie Antoinette. She wasn't interested in that at all. In fact, she based the script on a um, like historical fiction. Auto, uh, biography, not an auto, but a biography of Marie Antoinette, which took a lot of liberties. And we know that Marie Antoinette is, she likes to show the loneliness and the emptiness and also the fun of growing up in, in privilege. Like that's that's her gig. Because that's So like Sofia for Coppola, not Marie Antoinette. You say Marie Antoinette. No, 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 I'm saying Sofia Coppola, that's what it's she's- It's her into. style, yeah, 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 okay. So, she wanted to tell the story of this version of Marie Antoinette, um, but she didn't. There was no need for her to show the beheading. That's not what the story was about. That's true, and I agree with that part. I thought that they would be like just cutting, like just before there. I would like expect like some kind of very like long shot, like with the cliff, you know, like just going into the castle. Like that's it. That's fine. You know, you can stop at the point. But she actually tried to use that imagery. Of the beheading thing. Of oh, the beheaded. You know, that's the part that I feel is like, wow, now you're trying to be like really aesthetic and really metaphorical at this point, <laughs> but very on the face, on your face, about like, and she was beheaded, but I'm not doing that story. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I do see what you say, but for me, that scene worked especially well because it was finally things came to a head and she. Well, there you go. Pun. Yep, Pun intended. Yep. No, I, okay. <laughs> I mean, she was just trying so hard to make this life or to fit into this life and none of it worked. And this was her final moment of just giving up. And it showed the loneliness and the isolation and how she had fucked everything up and how there was nowhere to go from that point uh, because everything was ruined. Uh, so it worked for me. I understand why you have a hard time with this the metaphor, the beheading, the posturing. Um, 
But let's, okay, you asked your question. Let's answer, both answer a question. Did this film work for you? No. No, I'm sorry. I mean, he's like, that's, that's the problem. I was talking with a friend about it yesterday. He said, look, I had like the Virgin Suicides that I think that I mentioned in the past that I watched it the same weekend as I was being John Malkovich. And with both movies, I had the same feeling that it's like, I don't know if they have a message, you know? But it's like, I at least could appreciate that. Like, okay, being John Malkovich is like completely insane, but I see where he's going. With the Virgin Suicides, I was like, I felt like yes, like some kind of breeze just passed by. I said, "Oh, did something happen?" Uh, with when Lost in Translation actually uh, was released, I thought that it could actually it, ca- it was capturing that kind of feeling of uh, of disconnect in society. It looked like there was some kind of message that it was like just properly done for telling me something that I could just take from the movie. There was a story; it was entertaining, but it's like this the script was solid. On this one, I felt like, what am I watching? It's like, I, I understand that this is like visually amazing. I mean, the, you know, like the, uh, all the costumes that I use, is like, I'm pretty sure that that's like mostly accurate to what it was, is that they were like long stents for just making it look like completely over the top, like lavish, is that a word? Yep. Yeah. And I think that is like, yeah, that's cool. But it's like at the same time, is that like you're a movie in the middle of nowhere. It's like if you want, if you want to just develop Maria Antonia's character more, you could have done more. I think that you could have like just doubled down on that area about like the isolation, because then she ends up like just getting drunk every night. She has like these affairs that is like, yeah, well, I mean, she's coping and she's like just surviving in her life in the court. In her own way so it's like i don't feel like this like the virgin suicides kind of thing about like this nihilistic kind of approach to there is nothing else so we're going to really committing suicide and then if i if they wanted to just portray the reality of what happened in france and doing like the contrast between their excessive lifestyle with the reality of the country they didn't double down on that either so i felt like this is a movie in the in the middle of nowhere for me yeah i agree with you but i don't think again that's not what interested her. She wanted to show the portrait of a woman who's thrust into this world of ritual and excess and privilege while not fitting in. She's an outsider at first. There's all this yeah. pressure for her to get pregnant and she's devastated by the fact that her husband won't fuck her because he's seems to be asexual or, or gay. I on the that it was gay. or something. Um, yeah. Um, that that's the, the story she wanted to tell like the emptiness of this ritualistic luxury which can be very fun but ultimately is isolating and can make you feel lonely and sad and if that message or that if that doesn't work for you this film isn't going to work for you and the virgin suicides won't work for you and what was that super boring film she did where that uh, I guess it's not at the point yeah. Is it burial something where he drove in a circle? No, no. So I just, but the thing is that, you know, with Lost in Translation, it actually works because she's humanized. In this one, actually, she has some kind of outlets. She has her friend, she has her parties. Is that she actually learns to cope with it. He said, yeah, my husband is not fucking me and I have like this kind of pressure from my mother about like, a good wife could get fucked. There is a, but I cannot do anything. <laughs> a, I, I understand that, but it's like they don't double down. I, I just have the feeling that it's like a, a bit of an indecision about like, look, if this is the message that you want to give me, remove everything else. Everything else is noise. 
everything else just waters down this message. But I think what you're trying to insist that she focus on a message that she didn't care about. Like you wanted her to double down on like the actual history. She didn't give a shit. Oh no 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 no. I mean, I would be fine if the, what she's trying to just portray is the isolation of someone that is just thrown into a life of excesses that she doesn't belong to, or she belongs, but she's not from that not country. Yeah, is like, at that point is like you can remove like a lot of the rest of the stuff that it happens on this movie for actually just emphasizing that. If that's what you want, if you want me to take away some kind of message, but it's like, I just feel like, look, you, you try to do like plenty of things and then you end up in the middle of nowhere. I can see that there is like many messages from the mother that is like just for trying to make her feel down. But don't you think there's like, there's a distinction, let's, let's go to paintings. So I assume you're familiar with Guernica being Spanish and all. Guernica is not, it's, Guernica is a place, but sure. But it's also the name of the painting, the yeah. Picasso. Yeah. So Guernica. that's a message piece, right? He's mm-hmm. he's standing against what I think is this. Which war is it? It's the Civil War. It's the Spanish Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a difference between that painting and, for instance, the Mona Lisa. And trust me, I'm not calling Marie Antoinette Mona Lisa, but I don't think she wanted to get a message across. She was trying to 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 give across a portrait of a human being in the situation she's in. True, true, but at the same time, it's like, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't tell me anything about the character because it's a character that I feel like it just moves from one direction to another. It's not a tragic character only, you know? It tries to be like, no, she's like a multifaceted human being. I don't want to reduce her to just a single aspect. Is that true? And that's completely fair, but the problem is that what I take away from this is like, this is a collection of different human beings. It's not a multifaceted human. It's just multiple things. It's not like, for example, in The Favorite, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be bringing this up because <laughs> there are like multiple parallels. The Favorite, I think that is like a perfect movie compared to this, a perfect movie. Mm, compared to so, Love and Truth? I mean... Compared to this, I'm not going to be like compared to Love and Truth, let's just leave that to another day. But uh, compared to this, what I feel is like the characters actually evolve in a congruent kind of way. You can see like the input of what they're suffering and they actually just how they react to that. And there is like an evolution of those characters. Everything that happens to Kirsten does is he's like, I don't know what you're going to do next. It's not because you're like cool and crazy and you're going to be like improvising everything on your life. It's because you are not properly written. No, no, I, I totally see what you're saying. And I think it just comes down to like, if you are open to the sort of thing that, that she's true. trying to do. And yeah. I think we've established that there's, no, besides uh, Lost in Translation, you don't like any other movies, right? No, I mean, I only watched uh, The Virgin Suicides and I ended with like, I don't know if I'm too dumb, because at that point I think it was like, probably 16 or whenever it was released. I don't know if I'm too dumb or, or, or this is dumb. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know whose fault is, you know. But then I was like bringing, uh, being John Malkovich. I started like back to back, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! I get it." But I'm also too dumb <laughs> for it. So I think um, this this movie completely worked for me. I liked it as much, if not more, as from the first time that I watched it. I I do think it's a good movie. I I don't think it's everybody's cup of tea. One hundred percent. But as a film, I think it has um, legs to stand on, as it were. But I totally get everything that you're saying. I get your complaints. Um, 
Sorry, I'm looking at her IMDb page. Did you watch and like The Beguiled? No, I didn't. I honestly, I only watched like a Lost in Translation and the Virgin Suicides. Not the Bling Ring. Not the what? The Bling Ring. The Bling Ring. What is that? That's a movie starring Hermione from Harry Potter, and it's based on a true story about those teenagers that robbed all the celebrities' houses in oh, LA. Oh no, no, of course not. Okay. All right. So you haven't seen anything else she's done. So again, this movie worked for me, but my one complaint is that she does seem to have a very narrow set of interests in terms of to storytelling that she does in every single movie. So it worked for me in Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, Marie Antoinette, and then once she hits somewhere, I was like, mm, okay. I'm done. Not, you know, <laughs> it's just, she's a one trick Pony? Pony, yeah. And that trick was super cool the first five times, and now I, I don't know that I'm interested in hearing any more from her. But the, which one is your favorite out of all of these, out of the, all of the ones that you watch? I would probably say Lost in Translation is the film I've seen the most. Um, I... But do you think that it's her best? Yeah, I would probably say it's your best. Gotcha. I remember watching the trailer for The Gilded, like in the cinema, and I was like, wow, that looks that it can be, you know, like interesting. And then when they say the director was Sofia for Coppola, I was like, I'm not watching this. I'm out. Well, it's interesting Thank because you. she, that's a, it's a remake of an old film. Um, and she made some very controversial decisions. Like there was a black character in the old film and she just took that black character right out because that doesn't fit into her idea of white celebrity. <laughs> oh, oh God. I mean, honestly, one of the points that it was like a, a bit piece about on this movie. So Marie Antoinette was released in 2006. So I wanted to check when Instagram was released. <laughs> So it was actually in 2010. It may be actually Sofia for Coppola is a visionary, but basically everything on the aesthetic, it feels like Made it has some kind it. of filter. Yep. Yeah, it has some kind of filter in it. And the picture when she's like just opening like the uh, the shoe boxes, you know, and the desserts and everything that they are like just putting like one on top of uh, another. That also like made me think about like she has a, a keen eye for aesthetics. Yeah, she does. And she had an... It's horrendous how many luxuries she had with this film. Like, the cast, which I think is incredible, but also, like, filming at Versailles. Who gets to do that? It's fucking insane. <laughs> I was thinking it yesterday because, like, there is no way that this was so done. A friend of mine was telling me, he's like, no, 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 I think that it was Not there. Was, yeah, it was there. So, I mean, that's the point that I want to actually just make, is that she was coming from Lost in Translation, that it was like the indie darling of that year, of that year, almost of that decade. Is that she actually just skyrocketed a bit more right? Again, when people were not giving a shit about it, is that they, and he actually gave us like one of the best moments of the Oscars, when he actually was nominated for the Oscar and he wasn't like just selected at the end. And when they have like the five cameras like pointing to everyone, Bill Murray, you can see like, oh my goodness, they're really angry. And they're like, start like just clapping like, yeah, no, that, that's good, that's deserved, that's pretty deserved. And I think it was Elle, the one that, uh, sorry, like, Ellen? Ellen, the one, like the host. She was the host. She, yeah, and I think that she says like, don't worry, Bill, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, 
once again, it's like I, I like Love in Lost Interpolation, but now it's a movie that I could never watch again. Oh, really? Because I'm afraid that the vision that I have of that movie is, and now that I have like a bigger picture about like what she's trying to do on every single of these movies, that I see like how she uses like the smoke and mirrors, I will be feeling it's like, uh, that's not that good. So the one thing I think, and it's been a while since I've seen Lost in Translation, that she did well was that she had a very developed male character that kind of drove the plot equally with Scarlett Johansson, which I don't see in her other films. I mean, especially like until somewhere, somewhere she actually had a male lead, which is uncommon, but um, I don't know. It would be interesting. Maybe we should put it on our list of to watch just to see if we feel the same way. I don't know, man. Well, I don't Austin know. Austin is interesting because I loved it when it came out and I watched it a few times. And then it was something like, oh, yeah, that, that was kind of timely, not timeless. And I never oh, you felt think? like watching it. I, that's just the way I felt. Oh. I don't know. Like, I never had the urge to watch it again. I mean, I had it when I went to visit uh, uh, Japan. And I was just thinking from the perspective, like, I understand the idea of this is such an alien culture that even if you were to speak the language, you're always going to be like, feeling isolated. You're never going to fit in here, regardless of the amount of time that you have. And you're going to be like, desperate for some kind of connection with someone. Just like Marie Antoinette and her Swedish lover. I don't know why you can't see that. Austria is very different than France. <laughs> and you're telling me that Sweden, Sweden is not different from Austria? Come on. It's like, all that affair, it just felt like, I don't know, like something from a Daniel Steele book. I'm like, sure, yeah, you're just going for the hot guy. And when she's imagining like him falling in battle, it is... <sighs> okay, okay. Okay, man, sure. So uh, let's, do, uh, let's do the questions. So our, uh, from a direction perspective, do you think it had something interesting? No. I think that I, it has... I think that it's something like aesthetically pleasing to it, but I think that it's like, I'm not completely sure how much is on her hand and how much is on the director of photography here. Uh, so I don't think the visuals had to do with the director of photography. I mean, that shit was incredible. <laughs> So do you think that there is something, that he has something to this? She has something as a director to say in the movie? I do. I think this was incredibly stylish. Whether or not you liked it, it it's a it's a cool film. There were cool cutting, like the way she shot, shot scenes and cut scenes. And um, this is a polarizing subject, but bringing modern music into a contemporary piece, it can be either really shitty or really cool. I thought she did it incredibly well. It captured the the uh, zeitgeist of whatever feeling she was wanted us to feel. Uh, in my opinion, I understand. I want to say this over and over. I understand this doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> it works for me. But look, the, the funny thing is that I couldn't stop comparing it with uh, The Favorite. And I wonder like many times, we talk about this movie like plenty of times about The Favorite. And I told you that is a, I find that Jarrell uh, Dantimos, what he did with The Favorite, is a really bold movie. It's not only like a trolling on the, you know, like the period piece, it's a, it's both, you know, from almost every direction that I look at it. And there is this scene with Rachel Ways, and I don't remember like the name of the guy, that they are dancing on the ball, and it's like basically the moves that they are doing is like this doesn't fit here, but it's a bit more like from the perspective of what the queen 
with Olivia Colman who will be looking into the kind of uh, tension between the uh, the prime minister or whatever it was like the role and uh, her lover is a, that is actually just displaying it 100% is like I can see what you're trying to do as you're translating into my language that is a true it's a complete anachronist and it's a, the biggest anachronist that they actually use on that movie but here it's like I just felt like the anachronist would even like out of place i mean not they're supposed to be out of place but it's like i i don't see what you're trying to do is that the music most of them there was like on the background it was not like anyone like just coming out with uh, like two guitar and start like just playing the only one i think that is that like, when they are in the uh, in the party with the masks there is a they play like a mother song and they're like just dancing along so because you keep bringing up the favorite let me ask you did you get a clear message from the favorite what was the point? Yeah, I mean the point is that you can actually just analyze it from each one of the uh, of the characters, but it's like I love how sick because that's like basically the Jacob's and Timo sign about like the character of Emma Stone, about like just loving something, but not loving something because you want to love it. It's just loving with the idea of I want to achieve that because I deserve that. When actually Rachel Weisz actually loved that character, that it was Olivia Colman. So her love was like way more honest. And it's the idea of the message of sometimes like the love that you think that is like, the most honest, it cannot compare like with the one that is a bit painful on her ways. All right, I can see that. But it's like, there is something, there is something that I can take away. Is like without like just analyzing too much with, <laughs> I feel like, Pink filters is like it's funny enough. He's like a friend of mine on Facebook that he's not listening to this. Thank God, and I really like him. Uh, he posted on Facebook about Marie Antoinette like two days ago, and related to this, I didn't tell him anything. And he was saying, "It's like I oh, it was about the new movie that uh, Sofia Ford Coppola has in Apple TV Plus with Mir Murray." And uh, she was. Yeah. Yeah, he was saying, he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, this is not your strongest, Sophia. I really miss the pink filters that you use for Marie Antoinette. <laughs> and he's like, come on, if that's the only thing that you can highlight of Marie Antoinette, he's like, just go to Instagram. You, we didn't have Instagram in 2003, but now we do. Is that like, there is no value to this. So Sophia Coppola had to create a film to fill the <laughs> gap that Instagram left. Well, that it hasn't filled, that it hadn't filled yet. You know, is that yeah. that basically is that they should be like crediting. You know, is that from Facebook and Instagram they should be crediting Sophia for with you, yeah, with your royalties that you invented the millennial filters. So, would you ever watch this again? Hell to the no! I would, I would absolutely answer. watch this again. Absolutely. No. And I, I'm going to be like saying this, and I know that it's going to be like a bit more of a controversial point, even like with the big disagreement that is clearly that we're having, you know, like, well, disagreement, no, but it's like, you see like my approach, my perspective, and I see your perspective too, but it's like this movie reminded me when I was watching the same kind of disconnect that I had with Clueless. That is like, am I missing something? It's like, some people love this, but it's like, I cannot get into this. No, it's interesting. It's interesting. But it's like, I don't know if this like just if it's created for a different audience or something, but I feel it like so swallow everything shallow. that it, yeah, like shallow, yeah, shallow. That is like, I just feel like, I'm, is it me? Is, 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 it, is it my fault, Sophia? It's like, <laughs> she, I mean, it's fine, I can acknowledge it, but it's like, I don't know, I don't know what is going here. Yeah, I. Uh... 
I didn't see it as shallow. I saw more of a girl who was forced to be shallow to fit into the situation that she was so uncomfortable in. Um, but I understand the read of shallowness. Yeah. Well, but I mean, this be completely honest. When she's like shown on her way to uh, to meet up with the friends uh, group in the in the car, it's not that she was reading like Greek philosophers. It's not that she was like just presented at any point as some kind of sophisticated and intellectual character. But in her room, she's reading, who is it, Rousseau? I think she's reading Rousseau, which is like pretty deep shit. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't remember. So you wouldn't watch this again. Uh, will you remember the plot in a year, six months in a year? Maybe. You'll definitely remember the shoe montage. Let's not oh talk about that. <laughs> the desserts, too. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like so peace about like, come on, like, don't, don't do a montage about that. Like so out of the blue. It's like, what is the point of this movie? When they go to that point, it's like, I don't know who is this target to. It's, but it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, maybe if I had watched this when I was 25, I would have thought it like, you are super cool, Sophia. But like, at this point, I just feel like, just confused. Watching you know this that I'm not 25, right? The what? You know that I'm not 25, right? You are always 25. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, how old? We've known each other for eight years? Yeah, I was 29? No, 28 when we met. Yeah, yeah, and I was like probably 32, 33? Yeah, 32, 32. Lifetime ago, am I right? Yep. So uh, from their perspective, it's like, once again, it's like, I, I, I will remember some stuff, but at the same time, it was a movie that I just felt like this has been completely intranscendental. As I was telling you, it's like a breeze of air. And not even in a sunny day that you think, like, oh, that was refreshing. No, it's like in a cold day that is like, oh, oh, it's over. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, it's not a transcendental film, but I feel that in the same way that the Mona Lisa is not transcendental. <laughs> Like, this is a portrait, and a portrait is a portrait. It's not like... Anyway. I mean, I think, I think that you're opening like some doors when you're like comparing it for a second time. I know, I'm trying Lisa. to think of like a portrait that's not the Mona Lisa, because it's like, I don't say that this film is the Mona Lisa, but I can't name another portrait. <laughs> I mean, there are like thousands of projects, so like thousands, millions of portraits, you know, yeah. that we have forgotten. And it's like, I have the feeling that this is like one of them. Like, and that's that fair. You can say that this is forgettable because it's a portrait, but I find it beautiful because it's a portrait. But is it, do you think that this is a better film than The Favorite? No, I don't. But I still like this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that you cannot like it if <laughs> you don't like it more than the other one. But it's like a, the other one is also a portrait, but I think that it's a bit more of a complete and sophisticated portrait of all the characters. See, I would disagree. I think that film is very much a drama and it's all about conflict between multiple characters. This is not. This is just showing a girl and it's showing her experiences. And in that way, it's a portrait. There's not a lot of conflict. I mean, she they don't fuck for seven years. That's kind of a conflict, but it's never shown from the point of view of anybody else. It's just her and her emotions. Whereas the favorite, it is constantly conflict and drama and seeing it from this person's point of view and this person's point of view. Sure, but is it that you think that they actually they saw the perspective of the mother and the brother? But as they influence her, they never like show the movie from the point of view of the of the mother. You no, just, 
true, but it's like it's a movie that is like just focused on a single character. That is like the character that gives title to the movie in the favorite. They are like three characters. That is right. you ask, but you actually have like just focus on each one of the characters. Is you have like a scenes that develop Olivia Coleman, you have a scenes that they develop Rachel Ways as a character. But that's why I say it's not a portrait. It's about in the interaction of characters. It's not sure. a single. Let's focus okay. on the person, her emotions. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, is like it's a portrait of the three characters. You know, like given the circumstances that they have, but they interact like way more. It's like in this case, Louis Steve is like it's just an accessory. Yeah, completely. Everyone is an accessory to her. Yeah. Is that no one gets developed? Is like they're like just basically like the pawns. I mean, not really the pawns because she doesn't like really try to manipulate anyone. They're just like background a... characters. Yeah. She's in the foreground, and that's what the film is. Yeah. No, no, no. From that perspective, I agree. I think that is like it does how you define like just portrait on this case. Yeah, sure. Is like everything else is like just background noise. So you agree? It's like the Mona Lisa. It's like the best of all the paintings. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a just four Mona Lisas, you know, like one next to each other, and just shoes on top of them, They're just piling up. Uh, so, wait, final question: Would you recommend this to anyone? And be only, honest, because I know your friends. Only if I hate them. That's bullshit. You have a friend that just moved to New York, and if that person hadn't seen this movie, you would be like, "Oh, check this out. You love it. It's like the Mean Girls of the 16th century." No. No, 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 no fucking way. No. You're gonna look I me in the eye right now and tell me there's I, no people I, in your life. No, 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 no. I don't think that he would like that. I don't think that that person, that specific person, would like that. And I would take your challenge. I would take your challenge. But this movie is super white. It's super white. You know. I'm sorry. What was Mean Girls? Well, the Mean Girls is true that they were white, but it was a bit more like high school. So in high school, it's like all that bullshit is a bit of a second kind of thing. Is that this about like an entitlement? Like she's white and she has everything, so she doesn't have to care about anything. And actually, her struggle is like I'm rich, but my husband doesn't fuck me, and when he fucks me, I have an affair. You're honestly going to tell me there's no one in your life that you think would enjoy this movie? Yeah, my friend that he was talking about the pink filters in <laughs> Marie Antoinette. There you go. So you would recommend this? <laughs> I wouldn't because you already know. Friends that like Instagram, you'd be like, oh, you like Instagram? Check out this movie. <laughs> no, because if they like Instagram, I will go with the next movie that we're going to be like, talking about later. Well, later at a different date. Next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I, I don't think that I recommend this because it's like it's so forgettable, it's so untranscendental for me, for me, personally for me, that I just feel there's yeah, but, a lot um, of stuff to recommend. Okay, I see that. But also when I make recommendations, I take into account who is this person, what are the sorts of things they like, and I definitely know people that would like Marie Antoinette. Have you ever recommended these? Well, I asked you to watch it, didn't I? No, you forced me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably not, but that's not to say I wouldn't. Would you remember this? Oh yeah, I remembered almost every. I mean, there were little things I didn't remember, but there are certain scenes that were so, like I loved the way they did the let them eat cake scene and it shows this like alternate version of herself with black lipstick and it's like those sorts of things really stick out to me the scene on the balcony but maybe i'm just a so you like this scene oh that body. likes beautiful shoes maybe that's my <laughs> thing <laughs> i mean you know that for example one of the questions that we have is about like if uh, you're fine with sacrificing 
uh, a story or message or you know substance substance yeah. for just the, the aesthetics and is like I think that this is one of those movies do you agree um, a little bit but I think there's substance there like if you were to compare this to um, what is a film that we feel like sub sacrifice substance for style I don't want to say the fall because that's not fair but it does have it. <laughs> but it's kind of true. I think there's more substance to this movie than The Fall. Okay. I know you disagree, but <laughs> that's why I didn't want to talk about The Fall. <laughs> so, I want yeah, to think about some other stylish movie. <laughs> because The Fall is like, for me, is like both of the parts work. Like in this one, for me, is like, yeah, the aesthetics works, but nothing else. Yeah. I, I I just felt like I felt like so short, like so disappointed, and so like just like God, this is still like two, more than two hours. It did surprise me the length when I saw it was a an hour no 126. Two hours, minutes. yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, I felt like it was a film. But. Yeah, it was it was long, and I understand why Sofia for Coppola just went from you know like slightly promising with the beginning success that I didn't know exactly what was going to happen into Lost in Translation that it feels a bit more of an elaborated message you know the feels like okay there is more to it I, I'm going to be like just giving you something that you can take from this movie is that they were like just really expecting what was going to happen next and I think that this I don't know if it was like completely a flop but I think that from the critics' perspective, it was like, this is not what we expected them to go to. I. It would be interesting to see what it has on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's 57. like... 57. I thought it was one of those ones that split critics. Yeah. I can understand, like, because you are right about the perspective that is like, it's a portrait about a character. If you connect with it, great. If you don't, it's going to be... A waste of time. And you know how much I connect to that privileged white girl that lives inside of me? <laughs> <laughs> you should be like just sipping your pumpkin spice lather right now. Yep, in my Ugg boots. Exactly. Uh, but for me, it didn't. So it just let me call, it just let me like just waiting about like, holy shit, two hours. And just yeah. checking like the time multiple times about it. But nothing yeah, happens. Like That's going anywhere. Watching, yeah. watching, watching. So, uh, should I score first? Should you score first? Is there any other questions that we want to uh, make about this movie? It was my pick, so you're supposed to score first. Yeah, my score, I'm sorry to say this, but it's a four. That's fine. Mine is a seven. Okay. That's the really one of the biggest differences that we had in a while. It's pretty close, if not the biggest. Yeah. Three... Yeah, three or four point five. Oh yeah, no, the previous one was the touring horse. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love that movie. <laughs> I hate you, man. And then the previous one was the greatest song on earth. <laughs> so Marie Antoinette was obviously my pick. Oh yeah, it was certainly. What are was. we watching for our next episode? So something that I was thinking about, like yes, a director that is really just focus a lot on uh, on aesthetics, you know. I was thinking, what other characters are there that they can sacrifice a bit for whatever is like their style and their topics that they like to take uh, to take on their movies? Immortals by Tarsem. We should one day because I never <laughs> watch it, and I'm curious to see how terrible that's going to be. But in this specific case, I think that it was uh, it was the perspective of uh, uh, I wanted another director that I 
think that can pull the same kind of idea of uh, is aesthetically strong. I know exactly what I like to direct, you know, and I have a strong cast. And I also I wanted to actually just connect with some of the actors that we watched recently, you know. So uh, Kate Blanchett is going to be there. I love her. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum is going to be there. Is it Jurassic Park 9? Nine? Is he still there? Is he still on all of them? Like, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum is the constant. If there are dinosaurs, he's like Jeff Goldblum is like just topless, like just lying next to them, like on the side. But no, the movie is actually from Wes Anderson and it's Life Aquatic. I know that it's not his most popular movie, but it's like the first one that I watched from him. So I have like a, a special place in my heart for it. You wanted to watch more Wes Anderson films after that? That would be fine. I mean, I, I actually just uh, thought about watching Moonrise Kingdom. I, Moonrise Kingdom may be like the only movie from Wes Anderson, well, almost from any director that I went three times to the cinema to watch. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really like that movie. But I think that Life Aquatic, there is something about it that we will discuss next time that I think that it works exactly on the way that Marie Antoinette would have worked. Well, until next time. Wes <laughs> Anderson, huh? Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Yep. All right, well, and whoever is out there, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Wash your hands. Oh, I was going to ask if they don't have to wash their hands anymore because we are yellow. Uh, people are just, you know, really lax with the pandemic now. It's been seven months. Okay, no, that's fair. All right. Bye, folks.